Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Grow With Soul. Today is a really juicy coaching episode which, like all great conversations, went down loads of interesting tangents and ended up coming out in a different but much better place than we expected. My guest is Ellen Carr of Being Change, a purposeful and holistic living coach based in Manchester here in the UK. In this episode, we're talking a lot about what a marketing strategy even is and whether you need one. And once you've figured that out, some ways to simply and easily plan and think about your activities. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you will too. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Kate. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes. Good, sunny in Wales. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Not sunny in Manchester. Oh. It's oh. grey. <laughs> <laughs> We've got your sun, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you can have it. <laughs> so, for anybody who isn't familiar with you or with your work, give us the whistle-stop tour through your story and everything that you're about and what you do. Okay. Yeah. Whistle stop tour. (laughs) Yeah. So I run a business called Being Change. And well, I started it as a blog about two years ago now, but it's only become a business in the past six months ish. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the journey to, to how I got there is kind of a bit of a windy one, like most people's. So I started out as a theatre maker. I still am a theatre maker, but when I was younger, I was like, right, I'm going to go into theatre. I originally wanted to be an actor and I went to drama school and then I left the drama school I was at like halfway through because I decided I wanted something a bit more academic. So I left there and then I went to university and I did drama and English literature, but I was always very much on the path of all I want to do is make theatre. Mm-hmm. So I was writing and directing. I got into directing a lot when I was at university. And then when I left university, I set up a theatre company. And that's something that I was running since then. So that was in 2011. And I set that up. And then I was running that alongside just working kind of any old job. So I was working a four day a week job. And then I took a full time job. And I was doing that and then mm-hmm. running the theatre company. And I guess maybe two or three years ago, I started thinking a little bit differently about the theatre thing. So I'd always been applying for, like, there's a lot of big theatres. So I was living in Brighton at the time, so I was quite close to London. Um, And so obviously a lot of big theatres are there. And they all run kind of schemes and things that can sort of give new directors like a a leg up and sort of... So I was applying for all these opportunities and stuff. And then about three years ago, I started thinking, like, I don't know if if this is even... These opportunities even what I want. I started to kind of question a little bit more what I wanted. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'd just been applying for stuff like I thought you had to do and just working any old job. And, you know, the jobs, they, they were fine, but they weren't things that I really enjoyed or was like, sort of invested in and making my own theatre. But like, you know, that takes a lot of time, and a lot of money and, and kind of, yeah, and, and not getting anywhere with the opportunities that I was applying for that kind of everyone else was doing. So then I sort of took a step back and thought, maybe there's a reason I'm not getting these opportunities. Maybe they're not actually the things that I really want or I'm suited for. Um, And then around that time, I started thinking, well, actually, maybe I don't even want to rely on theatre to be my sole source of income for the rest of my life. I mean, it wasn't even any source of income, but, you know, so maybe I don't want to do that. And actually, maybe I don't just want to make theatre. And so then I started thinking about what else I might like to do. And I'd started to develop a regular yoga practice. So I had done yoga sort of on and off, very, very on and off since I was 15 (laughs) or something. So like, I think I went to a class with my mum and then occasionally did it a little bit. And and every time I did it, I felt really good. But yeah, about three years ago, I started a regular kind of daily practice um, and was really noticing the benefits that that was having for me and the effects it was having on my life. And I think that kind of coincided with me thinking more deeply about what I wanted and connecting a bit more to myself and kind of like this idea that I was responsible for my own happiness rather than waiting for outside opportunities and stuff like that so that all happened at the same time and then so I started thinking what else might I want be able to do that's kind of a self-employed thing that could be other sources of income for me as well as theatre so training as a yoga teacher came up as an idea and then when I told friends and family about that they were all like 
there's a few instances where people just kind of like stopped and looked at me and then they were like yes of course you should, do that. <laughs> you should definitely do that it's always a good sign <laughs> yeah, yeah so I was like oh okay so um I did my yoga teacher training last year and like I quit my full-time job and I went part-time there for a bit and started exploring kind of theater stuff and and really putting more effort into what I wanted to do and then over the course of last year a lot of things have shifted I moved I moved to Manchester I moved from Brighton to Manchester so that was kind of like a big shift in Mm. changing I've been in Brighton for nine years so it was a big move and kind of helped me to think a bit more about what kind of life I wanted to lead I guess because I had that move away from a place and stuff so I started to get a bit more intentional about things Um, and I'd been blogging so you know Gretchen Rubin yes yeah and you know the happiness project that she did she's got a book called the happiness project which I think is one of her earlier books Um, and I found that because I was looking for another book in a shop when I was on holiday in America and I saw this book instead and anyway Mm -hmm. so I took that book and and it it was about she spent a year trying to elevate her happiness levels but so each month she had a different theme kind of thing and then she had different resolutions for that theme and it was all very practical stuff so I read that and I really connected with this idea that somebody was actually working to improve their happiness and again that connected to the thing that I've been feeling through my yoga practice that I was responsible for my own happiness and stuff so Mm. I did my own happiness project last year and that's how my blog was born so it's kind of a place to chart what I was doing with that and then yeah so I was doing that and I was doing my yoga teacher training and, and the yoga teacher training involves quite a lot of going a bit deep personally I guess like you get to there's a lot you know all the yoga philosophy and stuff like that kind of helps you to connect more with yourself on a deeper level I guess and, and question things mm. so I was doing a lot I've done a lot of kind of deep soul searching <laughs> work I guess um, and so last year I kind of felt like the stuff that I was doing with kind of the changes that I was making and and the sort of holistic approaches I was taking to living life and the yoga stuff could I, I felt like I wanted that to be a business and I didn't really know what that business was going to be um so then I that's when I approached Jen Carrington coach who I know you worked with as well mm-hmm. the start of your business so we worked together from kind of the end of last year through to kind of May this year to kind of really get into that clarity of what my business was about so it's yeah it's quite a new thing it's only been since kind of January that I like I relaunched my website to be a bit more of a business website than a blog and and Mm. stuff like that and and at the same time I I still have my theatre company as a separate thing but that's shifting to be about arts and well-being as well so everything's kind of merging together and shifting a little bit but it's it's all rooted I've realized in connections the connections one of my core values and that's connecting kind of in terms of with other people uh, so as a community, so the thing that I've always loved about theatre is the way that people come together as the audience and connect as a community there. And that's always been a focus. But then also connecting with your own bodies. That's a lot of what I do with the yoga stuff. And my theatre makers always come from a physical perspective as well. So I've always had that kind of embodied. Right. And then also connecting with the world around us with, in kind of a sense of connecting with nature, connecting with the seasons. And yeah, just connecting with everything that's going on around us and how our life is a part of that and how we can feed into that and and sort of, yeah, have that sense of connection. So yeah, I realise that it's all about connection. What I love about your story is that you started off with such a clear intention of, I'm going to be in the theatre and I'm going to do everything, everything is going to be really funnelled into that. And then once that started to unravel a little bit, it would have been really easy for you to go to a my whole life up to this point has been a waste place and to kind of like let that really knock you. But it seems like the opposite happened and that that actually became a positive thing and was more about, you know, these opportunities aren't happening for me because I don't want them enough, not because I'm not good enough. And I think that's so healthy. And I also love what, oh, carry on. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think I've always had that. Approach. I think I've definitely <laughs> been to the, oh my God, I'm terrible sort of thing. I definitely, yeah. Early on, I think I was definitely there in that place. And I, yeah, I think it was probably the strengthening of the yoga practice that helped me get to that more healthy reaction. Mm. And I think a move really helps. I mean, obviously not everybody can move across the country when they want to start a business, but that's what you did. That's what I did as well. And But there is something about that which does make you clarify in a completely different way, 
what you want out of life. And it's much more difficult, I think, when you're still in the same place and you've got the same people and the same life around you to to think like that because you're not starting again. But actually, I think if you were, even if you're not moving, if you pretend to start again and actually think, if I was moving 200 miles, what would I want my life to look like? And then just create that because it's all it's all there. Mm, yeah, that's such a good point because you could, yeah, you could just imagine if I was moving, what would it be like? That's quite mm, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said that you've done the kind of clarity work with Jen about what your business actually is. Mm. So what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, I want to help people connect to whatever their most purposeful and holistic life is. And I don't want to dictate what that looks like to people. But obviously, I've got my values that are rooted in kind of like connecting to nature and stuff like that. And I do think that's an important part. So for me, there's a lot of, of talking about that kind of thing, being environmentally friendly and that sort of thing. So I think it's definitely something that will attract people who feel like they want something more from their lives. They want it to feel like it means something more. They want to feel connected to something bigger. And, and rather than they're just going to work, coming home and sort of living on that kind of treadmill thing that they want to feel like they're grounded and rooted in something and that that is probably something that involves a lot of consciousness around connecting back to things that previously as humans we've been connected to but maybe we've lost connection to in our modern society yeah so helping people do that so kind of I produce content so I write a blog produce content on my Instagram and that's kind of a mixture of content that's going to inspire people to you know that change is possible and that they can they can have this more connected and purposeful and holistic life that they have maybe been dreaming of or maybe they haven't even been dreaming they haven't even fully formed what that is yet but they know that they want something more and, and perhaps the content can help them figure out what that something more is. And then also quite practical content. So producing, and, and this is stuff that actually right now, so I've just taken um, a month long break, sort of online break to get clarity around this stuff because previously I felt like maybe my Instagram channel wasn't that purposeful and, and my blog lacked a bit of clarity as well. So this is stuff that I'm just sort of, I've done a lot of work on and I'm starting to implement now and so more content as well around practical stuff so I'll be doing videos um, on my Instagram you know little movement things that people can do ways that people can connect to their bodies and what that can help them with so I'm going to do one for grounding in a few weeks and stuff like that and then practical stuff that I've changes that I've made so all stuff from making my own cleaning things and beauty products to changes I've made to how I can move more in my life or how I'm connecting more with the seasons and that kind of thing so practical stuff that people can implement and then I'm I, I'm gonna I, no, I was gonna say I'm planning to but no I'm <laughs> I am going to be launching my coaching coaching um, offering for people very soon which is going to combine so like coaching to help people figure out what that purposeful and holistic life is for them or whether they've got specific changes they want to make already to kind of help them through that process of change combined with personalized movement and yoga practices that's going to help that because my approach is all about embodiment you know our mind and body are completely connected and I think we've lost a bit of that connection but I think everything we do whether we so if we want to make change in a certain way the body's going to help us and we're going to need to work with the body too and and just reconnecting with that and listening to that and and using that connection as a tool to help us connect more to that purposeful and holistic living Mm. stuff so and also, I'm going to start a podcast. I want to say it so that it happens. So. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, do it. Just get all the things that you are going to do out on this po- on this episode, and then uh, you have to do them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that you said that you've taken the break, reassessed, and are now coming back with more clarity around your content because I think that's a really key thing when you are operating in what might be considered more of a woo-woo space. I mean, I think you're very borderline woo-woo. And this is something that I came up against when I was first uh, put my coaching services live, is that particularly in the UK, there is much less of a culture of working on oneself and having a coach than there is in the States, for example. And that was something that I came up against quite a lot. It's like, yeah, but what is this? (laughs) And I think you've really got that kind of super top level inspirational, this is what I believe stuff. And then actually it's filtering that down into, yes, but this is what we will actually do. This is what you will actually get. And it's not scary. This is really safe and you can feel comfortable in this. 
yeah yeah definitely yeah I like that you said borderline woo woo I I might use that because I do think I am getting into stuff like that um and all these kind of practices that like five years ago I would have completely scoffed at and stuff Mm. um so I I like to think that I've got I'm I'm, I've got groundedness and then the kind of woo stuff so I combine the two yeah Yeah. (laughs) so let's talk a little bit about your marketing and things that you've been struggling with and things like strategy where are you standing on strategy I mean, I think I feel a little bit more comfortable with strategy now with the work that I've done over the summer. And I was reading through um, your course that you had on the sisterhood camp thing, which was which I found really useful. But I think there's two things with marketing and marketing strategy that I, I struggle with. I think one of them is the thing that everybody probably has, which is just the fear of putting myself out there and the fear that nobody's going to want what I'm offering, nobody's going to want my coaching services. And therefore, if you don't put it out, then you're not going to fail. So I think there's a bit of that. And then I think also, I've been thinking about this, and I think because I've come from a theatre background, so in theatre, marketing my theatre shows, so for example, I went to the Edinburgh Fringe, and if anybody's ever been to the Edinburgh Fringe, they, they know what it's like. Have you ever been? No, I haven't. Okay, so the the Royal Mile, which is one of like the main streets in Edinburgh, is, is like full, completely like rammed full of people from theatre companies promoting their shows. Mm. And to me, marketing is standing on the Royal Mile, mm. holding loads of flyers, accosting strangers trying to get them (laughs) desperately to come into your show and I hate that I hate Mm. flyering it's the worst I always have to pluck up so much courage just to speak to one person like come on I'll go for this guy and then and then they say no and it's like oh no Mm -hmm. so I think I've got that kind of thing about marketing as just like shouting at people um and this really uncomfortable thing Mm. and so I don't really know what it is or what it can be or how to do it and therefore I've never really done it and I've never really thought about it mm. and like so my marketing up to this point um so like you know for example I've run yoga workshops and stuff in Manchester and my my marketing has kind of been a little bit haphazard so like very comfortable with designing flyers because like I said that's what I've done <laughs> I'm very comfortable with designing flyers and maybe taking them around some cafes and stuff like that um, so I've done that and then I'll just do posts on Facebook maybe that's where I've been promoting my yoga workshops but it's not really where I promote being changed stuff moving forward but that's what I've been doing to this point a few posts and and I'll and you know and then I'll go maybe a couple of weeks before the workshop I'm like oh god I haven't got enough people I need to do some more stuff but I don't have a plan you know mm. and I, I don't know what that could look like or what it should look like or how to do it yeah mm. yeah I totally get that and I think a lot of people do that and it's a, a, the reason a lot of people are put off by the idea of selling and by doing marketing because we don't notice when we're being sold or marketed to well because it, it's imperceptible to us because we're like this is great I'm gonna buy this thing and I love it and yet when somebody's trying to shove a flyer in our face we're like oh no this is horrible I don't want anything like this and but and that's when we feel that we're being sold to not when we're being sold to well so yeah it's good that you know exactly what you don't want to do and the thing with marketing strategy is that strategy is just a very big all-encompassing word and it just the strategy is how are you going to make your plan what you're going to base your plan on so for me for example I have a content and PR based strategy so my strategy for marketing my business is creating content on my blog on this podcast on social media and then going on to other people's podcasts and writing for magazines and those sorts of things to reach more people to get them over to read my content and my emails and all that stuff. That's my strategy. Somebody else, so say John Lewis, John Lewis is a very complex strategy, but one of their strategies is a pay-per-click strategy where they're going to be the top of Google for everything that they sell. And that's their strategy. And so they put their money and their attention into that rather than in creating a whole load of organic blog content, for example. Another company like uh, shop style is an affiliate based strategy so they're not they are creating content but they're creating it so that people buy via affiliate links and that's how they're getting stuff through so you've got to think about that when you're thinking about your strategy it's that very top level what things am I going to do in my marketing plan it's much less scary yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's the word strategy it sounds so um 
to know. Yeah, like, it you does. Get to battle. Well, yeah, and it sounds kind of like official as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that it has to be done in a specific way, but it, it is just that very top le- level. What are the things I'm focusing on to gain visibility for my business? Mm-hmm. So in terms of thinking of it like that, do you have any thoughts about where you might like to sit with that, where you're going to kind of, what's going to lead your plan? Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's similar to yours, is, is going to be content and PR. Like I'm already producing the content mm-hmm. um, on the blog and I'm going to do the podcast as well. And then I've, I've already been thinking about, like, I'd love to write for magazines and other websites and be on more podcasts and that sort of thing. And that's um, what feels natural to me and, and what I want to do. So I think it's that, yeah. Mm. And that will always be a slower growth and a slower burn. I mean, something like pay-per-click, you literally just stick a load of money in it and money comes back. <laughs> but you're you're basing things on a very price-based thing. So it's just people who are lazy, can't be bothered to find and shop around. They just say, oh, there's one, I get it. And so it's the content and PR-led strategy is the opposite to that. It's about taking time for people to get to know you and start to build trust but that means that they're not just buying it because it's the first one they find on google they're buying it because they really want and love it Mm. and I think that's definitely what I need because you know with coaching it's such a personal thing Mm. and like thinking about how I made the decision to have coaching with Jen I'd been signed up to her newsletter like her, her weekly letter for ages and I'd listened to her podcast and read her blogs and so I felt confident that that it was going to be a good fit. And I think that's got to be the same thing because there's going to be people who really don't want to work in the way that I am working. Mm. I'm going to work with people. So yeah, I think it's about allowing those people to come, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. the right people. Yeah, being a magnet. And that's something that I find as well is that when people get in touch with me, they're already like fully clued up on how I work, who I am, what I do. And it's basically never do I get someone through? And I'm like, where the hell have you come from? <laughs> People are all, have already got so far down their decision-making process by the time that they're getting in touch just from living in the content and stuff like that. The other side of the coin to that, though, is going back to your fear of will anybody be interested, is that there's a much longer tail on that relationship and that it will take longer for people to make that decision yeah and I think that's something that so when I started in January kind of I launched my new site and I was all excited and I was like right I'm going to put lots of effort into Instagram and I did the insta retreat of uh, Sarah Tasker's course mm-hmm. and I was all really excited and I was like brilliant I'm going to focus here and like you know I think my, my audience on Instagram is gonna be great and I think I expected so much more growth and so much more you know translation over to my my monthly letter and to people reading my blog than I got and so I think my expectations were a bit higher there and, and then I got disheartened by the fact that it's much harder to, to have that growth and stuff. So yeah, I think that's what another reason I think the break's been good to kind of just clarify why I'm there and what I, you know, I think I'm, I'm going back onto those channels now much more about what well, I just want to connect with with people and and that's that's it. Like if that's one person, that's, that's brilliant because that might really help them or whatever. And, and if it's 20 people better, or, yeah, whatever, yeah, mm, but... Mm. I came up with this analogy like this morning (laughs) about when you first put something live is that, you know, when you're watching a film and you're kind of going along and you're pretty sure where it's going to go. And then all of a sudden, like one of the main characters dies. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, all bets are off. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. There might not be a happy ending. That's the feeling when you put something live is that before you put it live, you've been creating it. You're like, this is so good. Everyone's going to love it. And then it goes live and it dies. It doesn't die, literally. But it's kind of like, oh God, this is real life now. There's not the inevitability that this is going to work out the way I think it is. And that is a really difficult thing to manage internally. Um, And as you kind of said in your break where you've kind of really nailed down on your clarity, the thing is that you've got to always believe in the product, the thing, and its importance is greater than your fear. And to really passionately believe in the impact it's going to have in people's lives because that's the way you're going to be able to keep getting up and keep speaking about it is if you kind of stay really rooted in that. And yes, it takes time and same for me, I 
put everything live when I very first launched my business, left my job, and then a couple of weeks later, coaching services were all up. And I was kind of like, well, I've got 4,000 Instagram followers. You know, if only 1% of those take me up on it, I'm fully booked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, that didn't happen because it takes time for people to get to know you in a certain context. So for you, for example were blogging for so long and people who already knew knew you as a blogger and there is a little bit when you then start monetizing that people some people are like oh not sure I want this and they go and that's fine but then you need to then start working again to bring in the people who are okay with that and are at the start of a process where they're going to end up buying. Yeah, and I've actually recently taken the decision to to find some part-time work in the meantime because I've found that this kind of fear or this this need, I guess, for, for my business. And, and it's the same with sort of the yoga stuff that I'm doing because I teach yoga classes at the moment as well. Mm. Um, that like, need for it to bring in loads of money was making me make the wrong decisions and stuff. So I'm now going, well, it's not backwards, but I kind of for a while perceived it as going backwards to taking some part-time work that wasn't necessarily exactly what I want to do. But I'm choosing that now. To, to support me in growing my business a little bit more. Mm, totally. Like when you are coming from a place of desperation, you're not doing anything well. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I did that. I did a little bit of extra freelance work for my old company. I did some freelance work for another company and I didn't like doing it. And, you know, I actually quite resented it because I was like, this is all time I could be spent doing other stuff. But it, what it did was take the edge off the desperation and meant that I wasn't going into content and conversations like, oh my God, hire me. <laughs> I was going into it like, here I am as my best self and this is what I believe in and this is what we can do. And going into it with like the right kind of vibe is is so important. Mm, definitely. So you've got your kind of strategy, which is going to be content and PR-led. And I think it's important to add the PR-led on the end because content is is great. And, you know, I've built a lot on just the content, but the real impact happened when I got out of my blog and onto somebody else's or onto somebody else's podcast because it gets you in front of people where they already are. It takes a lot to convince someone to take a chance on your content, on your channel when they don't know who you are and they don't particularly care and they're quite comfortable over here listening to this podcast. So getting onto other people's channels where your people already are is such a good way to start to bring them in and that's what a lot of people don't do. So having those two joined together is really important. So let's talk about planning. Do you have any kind of plan? (laughs) I didn't mean that to sound quite how it came out. Yeah. Yeah, you do you mean for like content and stuff like that? Yeah, so your con yeah, your kind of marketing plan, your content plan, all that sort of thing. Yeah, so well I wouldn't call it a marketing plan, but I don't know, maybe it's the same thing, see, I don't know. I have a content plan that I've kind of started putting together, so a bit of a content calendar, because that's something that I really want to get on top of because sort of like before I took my online break I I was kind of rushing to produce the content and it was kind of whatever came into my head sort of at that moment or whatever. And, and so it wasn't very purposeful or directional. You know, I didn't know what purpose it was serving. So, yeah, I'm trying to work more in that way. So I've I've kind of jotted down ideas and stuff and started trying to space those out in, in a way that I think will work at different kind of levels of bringing people to my to my site. So I've got a plan for content that I want to produce kind of for the next month or so. But that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't have any plan in terms of marketing, you know, like when I'm going to put my coaching services live, I've got no plan about how I'm going to market that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think if you were to Google marketing plan, there'd probably be like 100,000 million different results and it, it all kind of works in different ways. My thing is that a marketing plan is lots of different plans put together. So it's your content plan, your outreach plan, and then individual like launch plans tucked in with all of that. And that's all under the kind of umbrella of your marketing plan. So the first thing that I find useful to do is like a bird's eye view. So that would be of the whole year and or each quarter. I did a whole year plan at the beginning of the year and I haven't looked at it for like the last six months because I plan stuff 
and then overrode it so the, yeah. the plan is out of date so yeah, actually doing it on a quarterly basis is quite good but having a, a view of where you want to be getting to and that's just super top line so if you're putting something a launch live put that in there if there's like a really important date in your your people's kind of calendar like for example Christmas is the obvious one but other stuff like that putting those through and just all the things that you need to be really aware of at a super super top level so that you can look at the quarter and be like ah well Mother's Day is coming up I need to be doing something around that and plan backwards from that in enough time so that's your bird's eye view to kind of keep an eye on every as you're going forwards and then as you say you've got your content calendar which is awesome can't you can't do be doing content without a calendar because it all all falls apart so it's just making sure that within that calendar you've got a really intentional purpose behind every piece of content so that it's not just I need to put content out on that Monday it's that piece of content is going out to do the job of either showing up on SEO for holistic living coach or helping people to understand my brand a bit more or introducing a vulnerable story to help people connect with me. So having a a really clear purpose for each piece of content that goes through there is what takes it from being a calendar to a plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You said about SEO and I've dabbled, um, (laughs) dabbled in SEO, but not really like very seriously or Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Is it something that you use a lot for your business? Like do you use keyword planning like with like AdWords and stuff, or I don't even know if that's the um, right tool. That Google is, that is the right term. Yeah. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time being conscious of SEO because I find it boring and I've got better things to think about. But I do, th- so if I go into a post, which might be something like, and I seem to use this example over and over again, but I can't think of any other example, which is like how to write an email newsletter. In my head, that is a, an acquisitional post. That That is a post that I can make sure is going to be showing up for searches around how to write an email newsletter. So what I do in that place is I don't then go and research keywords because quite frankly, I can't really be bothered. And this is what Google's stated aim is, is that it, if it is good for humans, it's good for Google. So just making sure that you go through and that it's, it, it's spread in there in a really natural way that write email newsletter keyword, for example, just spreading it through really naturally. And I also use the Yoast plugin on WordPress, which just kind of gives you a really top level and make sure those kind of things are ticked. But that's all I do. And I know that a better example than the one that I just used is that I did a blog post which was interviewing other creative coaches and asking the question was, should I get a creative coach? And it was kind of about that. And actually, if at the time of recording if you google creative coach uk or something that post comes up on the first page of google and it just because i say the word over and over but in a natural way so i think it's it's conscious that i want this post to be acquiring people who are interested in that thing but not getting so bogged down in pleasing the search engine that you stop pleasing the person yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I've been using Yoast and stuff. So that's, that's fine. I've got that. And yeah, yeah that's kind of what I've been doing. Okay. That's good. And a big part of SEO is actually how relevant the, the post is to people and that's driven by traffic. So if you write a post and it goes really well on social because it's super relevant, that's going to boost it in the Google rankings as well. So it's not just keyword based. There's all sorts of things at play that actually we can't always control of. So actually creating the best piece of content for that human being is the best way to do all of that. Answering their questions on that subject. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that was that's not the official line on SEO. If you go and speak to other people, they will always tell you something different. But that's just my personal view. And it's born out of the fact that I can't be bothered to take an interest in it. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really glad you said that because I thought you were going to be like, yes, I do all this keyword planning and it's like super organized and official. Mm. So I'm very glad you said that. Yeah, no, no, it's not super organized and official. It's um, You have to choose where your energy is best spent. And there are some people and bloggers out there where SEO is their main acquisition tool. So quite often that'd be things like fashion bloggers and travel bloggers and stuff where it's more competitive and people just want the information. But for businesses like ours, where 
we need people to connect with us. That's not the most important thing. The important thing is the content. It connects with five people rather than 500. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's your that's your SEO plan sorted. So you've got that kind of that intentionality going through your content and then layering that with your then outreach slash PR plan. And for me, that is just kind of really, I keep an ear to the ground. So when I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, I've listened to this great new podcast, that great new podcast goes on my list and I just have a list and I put a date of when I'm going to pitch and what I'm going to pitch. And that's so... I could create a list. I started doing this. I've started creating my list. I'm like, great, all these people would be wonderful. And I'm really good at um, sort of being in my head and kind of like dreaming about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is going to be brilliant. I'll be on their podcast. It'd be really great. But the, the pitching is, you mm-hmm. know, I, I assume that everybody, or a lot of people have this problem of like, that's the terrifying thing. Like, how do we even do that? You know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, and it's a, a big conversation, pitching. Yeah. The key things with it are that, remember, you're not asking for a favour don't go into it with that kind of energy. You are providing them with excellent content that is going to really engage their audience and keep their podcast and or blog and or magazine relevant to their audience. Like that's super important to some to a podcast host. So don't go into it being like, oh, please let me on. I'm so sorry for asking. You've got to go in like, I'm giving you this stuff. Like, you've got to have me on. So kind of shifting that energy around that. And it's easier to do that with ones where you feel confident about that. So yeah, on my outreach list, I've got some podcasts and stuff which have got a pitch date of like Q4 next year <laughs> because I don't feel like I can go to them with that right sort of here's all the benefit I'm going to give to you but I'm putting them on the list because I'm setting the intention because I know it's important because my people are there and are really engaged in that channel yeah and I really like that like having them on the list to have the intention and sort of create the space for it Mm -hmm. in your life kind of thing even if it's next year that's really yeah so as with everything as with when you're writing a sales page and you're going at it from the point of view of what the other person is going to get out of working with you do the same with your pitch so going into it with not this is me and I do this because in the nicest possible way nobody really cares (laughs) they care about what is the story that you're going to bring what is the how-to topic that is gonna make their podcast listens really spike so go into it with that here is what you're gonna get oh and by the way this is the reason why I'm I can talk about this okay yeah hmm I think it's all it's all just talking to people. And if you feel confident talking to your people on your blog, then there's no reason why you can't feel confident talking to those same people on that podcast. So you've just got to kind of channel that and just think with every single marketing communication, whether it's a pitch, whether it's a sales page, whether it's a blog, whether it's an Instagram caption, it's what is the other person getting out of this? What is important to the other person in this transaction? I'm leading and focusing on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's better. Take yourself out of the picture. Kind yeah. Of thing, almost. Because, yeah. yeah in, and I find this personally quite freeing that you as a person are almost irrelevant. Like, it's your ideas. It's what you can bring. It's the value you can provide that's important. Like that could be you or it could be someone else, but it just happens to be you, you know? And I find that great. Like it doesn't matter what I do. It's all about these things and this value that I can put together. And so I quite like, I like thinking of it like that and just, yeah, taking yourself out of it and just making it all about them because we are selfish beings and we want to be made to feel like we're important and that we matter particularly in the work that you are doing so it's really kind of getting really focused on not only does what does this person want to see but how do they want to feel how do they currently feel and how do they want to feel and how can I make them feel that yeah and that then helps get the um you know your emotions like fear or whatever that, that might get in the way it helps to get them out of the way. Like I found it useful recently to to write everything down on my to-do list or like to really schedule out what I'm going to be doing in the day because then I'm just literally moving through that. And, you know, sometimes I'll just even write down the times that I'm doing the things and how long I'm doing it for or whatever or time it on my phone. It's like, right, well, I've got to do that now because it's there. And that works for me because I like taking things off the list mm-hmm. or whatever. But I find it really helps me move past kind of that fear, you know, so if something, if I knew I had to do something for a day but I hadn't written it down when I was going to do it or how I was going to do it, then 
my fear might get in the way of me actually starting so mm. it's a similar thing of just kind of get that fear aside just focus on the task that you need to do yeah totally so yeah that's kind of how you then put your plans together and so you that will kind of be your sort of what I call baseline going through so your kind of weekly content plan the outreach you do once a month whatever and then going back to that bird's eye view plan there'll be things in there like you've got great big launch written on there and then around that you would create an ad hoc plan which would be like a project or a campaign that we would call in marketing speak where you then just kind of shift the focus so it might be that you do extra outreach during that period about a certain topic that is about that launch you appear more often on stories you might do like a a lecture series for example on stories you might do some live broadcast you might do a webinar adding those kind of activities in during that launch period on top of all that baseline stuff Mm, yeah yeah because before when I've tried to think about launching stuff and, and having that kind of launch campaign or whatever I've got so stuck on that that then I suddenly feel like that's all I'm talking about and I know that people don't just want to hear that because mm-hmm. that's literally just like you're saying I've got this thing buy it yeah, or whatever. Yeah. and that's not to say those things can't be valuable like when I have a course or something going live I will always do an Instagram live at least one and it's I don't even really talk about the thing, but I invite questions. I might talk about something connected but different. So, for example, when it's my blogging course, I'll just talk about how I plan my blog posts. Mm. I don't say every five minutes, oh, and by the way, in my course, I'll also do this. I just talk about it and let people ask questions because people aren't stupid. They know that I've got a course coming. They don't need me telling them every five minutes. Yeah, but yeah. I can demonstrate the value of that course through giving a really great live on writing a blog post and making people feel like they are being seen and heard through answering their questions. So it's not a case of I've got a thing to sell and I'm only going to talk about it and God, the temptation is there. Like you really want to do it, but it's just showing up with really great content above and beyond a blog post. Because as we said, a blog post is it's always going to take a little bit longer to get some traction. Whereas being there really present on things like Instagram and kind of show actually, you know what, this is a really good example. It's currently in my stories highlights still, but when I did campfire the first time round, I did a couple of stories just showing this is my blog plan. And I made two sales from those three stories and I was just talking people through my blog plan and you didn't mention did you mention the course I think I did like at the end I was like oh and we will go through this process in campfire okay and so in, and if you did the live for example would you just mention it at the end kind of thing yeah or at the end of the beginning always mention it? say something like oh we're, we're here on this live because I've put my new thing uh live today so I thought we'd come on and have a chat to celebrate and ask any questions about anything and just kind of yeah and then don't bang on about it and then yeah 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 okay because the most important thing is that people stay and engage yeah and they're not going to do that if you keep going on about it no Um, no yeah and I always think right at the beginning of that period and particularly with you if you're because you're putting coaching live and it's not a finite period of time it's not like You've got a course going live. No, yeah. You can so you can be a little bit more hands off with it, but it's never that you want to sell to people on the first go. It's that you want them to come back. Yeah. So if you think about it in terms of if you're at like a craft fair, and people people do their first loop before they buy anything anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you want them to do beyond their first loop. They come to your store, and you just want to be really great you want them to connect with you so much that like oh I'm gonna go back to her and so trying to translate that into an online space that you're maybe your very first live is that just providing so much value and information that people are like great I'm gonna take that away I'm gonna think about it and then I'm gonna come back but you've got to then keep reminding them to come back because it's online and they get distracted (laughs) yeah that's such a good analogy, though, the craft, the craft <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's even, I guess, just taking this analogy even further with the craft fair, but if you're going around, you know, and people have samples, don't they? So you mm. might sample a bit of their, mm. you know, like the hand cream that they've made or whatever, so you sample it. And I guess you could compare that to having free stuff, you know, like maybe free guides or whatever on your website that people can take away and then experience that, and then maybe they're going to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've really extended the analogy really <laughs> yeah. well there. Yeah, that's exactly it. And yes, because it's not 
a finite period of time you can so afford to do that is have a series of things that people can be using to engage with you in and building that trust that's the thing you've got to get them to trust you and by throwing that metaphorical flyer in their face that that's going to break that down <laughs> absolutely yeah okay so before we close everything off and I let you go what I'd love to do is just pick your brain a little bit more on what advice you have for people who were intrigued by what you were saying about that concept of like embodiment and connecting to the body a little bit more so do you have like any quick tips for where they can start with that before they kind of obviously come and start coaching with you (laughs) yeah so I guess for the people who are listening and feeling like yeah I'm I'm really not connected to to what my body's doing or anything I want to really start engaging with that more there's lots of really simple things you can do so for example our bodies are literally talking to us all through the day so you could just start trying to tune into that a little bit more and it might be you know if you're a a journal writer it might be that if you write your journal in the morning for example that you get up and you know maybe you stretch out a little bit just organically and you write your journal and you you just sort of scan through your body and notice how your body's feeling and you you write that down so it, it might literally be like oh my shoulder's hurting or whatever that is and and you'll probably find that the more you start doing that the more nuanced your your process of listening to your body might be so it might be that instead of saying my shoulder's hurting it might be like saying oh well my shoulder feel tense and that's making me feel stressed I'm probably feeling some stress about something and then you might start being able to dig into what that is or you know literally simply when we're hungry our body that's our body communicating to us so can you listen to that a bit more you know some people may forget to eat through the day because they're engrossed in their work or whatever so can you actually (laughs) so can you even if you have to set a reminder on your phone like an alarm to go off and maybe when that alarm goes off you just stop what you're doing for a moment maybe you look look out of the window looking out of the window is really really good for so many of us work at our computers and stuff all the time we're looking very close distance and and that's that's like weakening sores in the eyes kind of thing so if, if you take your break you step outside you look farther further away you're exercising that eye movement to look further away and that's connecting more to your body right there that's a little bit of movement mm. but then you could also just take a deep breath deep exhalation and just again tune into your body what's it saying you know are you tight have you been in the same position for too long maybe you need to move are you hungry are you thirsty and so just starting to listen to those basic things so that then you will find that by doing that more and more through the day you'll be able to pick up on the more subtle things that your body's telling you so that the the sort of sensation so like if you're having a conversation with someone you'll then maybe be able to start to listen to how you're holding your body and what's what what is that making you feel and that might even cue you into the fact that you're actually really anxious in this conversation and you didn't even realize that and then you might be able to change your body position to make you feel less anxious or kind of come away from it or think about why is that making me feel anxious and address that so yeah our body's talking all the time so I think if you want to start connecting to your body just start listening to the simple things Mm. first that's so good that's really interesting because I love that of just taking it like two three steps further because I'm definitely someone who like for example last night I was like lying in bed and I was like oh I've got this weird pain in my cheek oh it's because I'm clenching my teeth Mm-hmm. I then didn't go any further than that other than to unclench my teeth but I like that taking it further of well why am I clenching my teeth and why am I feeling like this and then what and then actually getting to the root of the problem yeah I love that yeah so with that for example you might think well how's that making me feel and you're clenching so maybe you're tense and you're holding stress and what are you stressed about mm-hmm. um, and then you might notice throughout the day that I mean, so many of us do stuff like that because we hold so much tension in the jaw and that that translates to tension in the neck and shoulders and so many problems that a lot of us have so again, like, yeah, if you notice that in bed, then maybe just notice if you do it throughout the day and then release, just release it and then it'll probably come back like two minutes later. But yeah, you just keep noticing it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thank you. So this may well be very connected with what you've just said, but I'll ask it anyway. As we ask everybody on Grow a Soul is, how do you grow a soul in your work and life? Hmm. Yeah, so I've been thinking about this and I, yeah, I do think it's similar to how you might grow your own yoga practice kind of thing that's what I'm going to relate it to is that you need to be connected to yourself and what you really want so yeah connected to your body connected to your values and and your your desires in life rather than the external stuff all those shoulds and things that that fly around and we get so caught up in and it's the same in, in a yoga practice so you know in yoga you might see a picture of a yoga pose on a magazine and you might be really connected to wanting to make your your pose look like that and everybody's body's different and um, literally down to the way that your bones 
are stacked and the way your joints are. Some people literally cannot do a pose like that. And if they do, they're going to damage themselves. So the way that they're going to grow in their yoga practice is by finding that thing that feels good for them and, and doing it in a way that serves them and brings them the most joy. And I think, yeah, it's the same in, in the whole of your life. So just connecting to what you really want, what your values are, what your desires are, rather than following what society says mm. and taking it step by step in a way that feels good for you. I really like that. <laughs> I really like that. And actually, I really relate to that yoga thing because I'm, I'm, I'm a very sporadic yogi. I mean, uh-huh. even saying that is ridiculous. That's how sporadic it is. <laughs> but I remember like doing a pose and being mm. like, oh, I'm not doing it right because it doesn't look like the teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that analogy because there is no right. No, they're absolutely not. Yeah. And you will, I've, I've just done a course this weekend about how all our joints are different and how if you are trying to achieve that picture perfect right, you will cause joint damage and you'll have a lot of pain in later life. So, yeah. yeah. And, and just like in life, if you do exactly. what you think is right, you're going to have joint damage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all relatable. Yeah. So, Ellen, where can people find you online? Yeah, so the main social media channel that I use is Instagram and I'm at being underscore change on there. And then there's my uh, website, which is being-change.com. And I do blog posts about twice a week on there. And um, it'd be lovely if people wanted to sign up to my letter, which at the moment I send out monthly, but I send it in line with the, the new moon rather than the calendar month because that's a good time for intention setting so there's a little bit of woo there and <laughs> in my monthly letter I talk about my own experience kind of making changes there's practical stuff in there and kind of inspirational stuff for people and I also do a video which is a movement or embodiment video so sometimes it's kind of a, a yoga sequence or sometimes it's something a little bit different but it's to do with connecting to the body so mm. um, if people are interested in that then they can sign up for that on my website mm. gosh you've got plenty of content haven't you <laughs> well thank you so much Ellen for joining and sharing and yeah everybody go and find her and find her podcast that will definitely be live now (laughs) yeah it's coming soon and yeah thank you so much for having me it's been great and that is that I really hope you enjoyed this one. Please let me and Ellen know your thoughts on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at being underscore change. All the links that we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And as always, if you think you have a friend who'd really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode. And until next time, I hope you grow with soul.